Well, good morning. It's always good to be with you. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this time and our service as we have been praying and singing and feasting around your table. Uh, We are thankful for this time to feast around your word. We pray that as we as we spend that time, as we, as we open up our, our Bibles, that we would also open up our lives, our hearts, to be addressed by you, to be spoken to through the power of your Holy Spirit. And so I just pray that each person in this room, God, this morning, will hear you speak directly to them, to the, to the needs that they have, to the hopes that they have, to the fears that we may be carrying with us. God, we just bring all of that with us, and we entrust it to you, and we We pray, we beg that your grace and your goodness will carry us, will lift us up, and help us know that you're with us, that you love us, and that you do anything to save us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. A little over a decade ago now, I uh, was in the midst of a, a battle against cancer, and I ended up having three different surgical procedures in three months. And after my, my third surgery, uh, I ended up having this medical complication uh, that meant that they, they didn't know exactly the best way to treat me uh, in terms of, of helping me get better. And there were two primary options. Uh, one was to, to open me back up for a fourth time for exploratory surgery and hope uh, that they could kind of find the, the problem, the source of the problem, and fix it. Uh, the other option was for me to go on a zero-fat diet for three months uh, to see if that would, would fix the problem. And uh, as, as hard as that sounded, as difficult as that seemed like it was going to be, uh, going on this really restrictive diet seemed like a better chance, a better shot than exploratory surgery that may or may not work. Uh, and so uh, Lauren and I went back home, and she created, when, when I say zero-fat diet, we mean less than five grams of, of fat a day. So that's like, I think, two Oreo cookies, that's one big bite of a cheeseburger, that's like two bites of a chicken strip in a day. Uh, so, so basically, you can't eat anything that tastes good at all. And so Lauren, we go home, and she does what accountants, when you're married to accountants, they, this is how they try to help. She created a fat gram tracking spreadsheet uh, to make sure that, that I knew that I wasn't going past the five grams of fat a day, uh, and ended up basically eating this every day for 90 days. I would wake up in the morning, and I would have a bowl of frosted flakes. Those are fat-free. Who knew? Uh, Frosted flakes and fat-free milk, which if you've ever tried to have fat-free milk, is like gray, dingy water that doesn't taste like anything. Okay, so that's what I had for breakfast. Then I had fat-free turkey uh, and a little bit of mustard because virtually any kind of mustard you want is fat-free. You may not have known that, but now you do. And so I, I had a few different options of mustard. That's what I had for lunch. And then at night, I would have this super lean chicken breast from Sam's that we would bake, or I would have cold, plain tuna. Uh, We happened to have two cats at the time, and on the nights that I had tuna, they were circling me like hungry sharks. (laughs) That's what I had for 90 days, every day, frosted flakes, turkey, chicken, or tuna. Wake up the next morning and do it again, right? 
And I, I got to the place where I'm 6'1", six, six I weighed 122 pounds, right? Because it works when that's all you eat for, <laughs> for 90 days. And I, my whole life, I have never really been somebody who's all that interested in food. You know, I just, I eat to live. I don't, I don't live to eat. And it's not that I don't have certain things I like to eat. It just never, it was just never something I spent a lot of time thinking about. I got to tell you, when I got past day 60 of this diet, I was dreaming about food. I mean, at night. I'm not exact. I would, I would dream about having a steak or having some fried chicken or having steaming hot fajitas with real shredded cheese on the side and, and bowls of bluebell ice cream drizzled in chocolate sauce. Right? I was waking up with tears in my eyes knowing I had to wait at least 30 more days before I was going to be able to have anything like that. And so then it moved from just having these dreams to I needed to plan my first real meal after all this, right? So I started to think, well, what, what's the, the place I really want to go? And there was this, this restaurant that Lord and I had only been to on really special occasions. It's called Texas Day Brazil. And it's one of those Brazilian steakhouses where, you know, the waiters are walking around with skewers of all kinds of different cuts of meat, and they just, you just gesture, they come over, and they let you have as much meat as you want for as long as you can possibly stand it. And I thought, that's, that's where I'm, I want to go. And so finally, get through the, all the doctor stuff. They let me go back on, I would say a normal diet. I'll just say an unrestricted diet, right? So they, they said, you can eat what, whatever you want. We, we show up to Texas Day Brazil 10 minutes before it even opens. Like, I, I, I'm ready. And so finally, they, they open up the doors. They get us to the table, and we wait for what, it probably was about 14 minutes, but it felt like forever. My head was on a swivel. I was looking for those waiters to come out of the kitchen with these skewers of meat. And finally, after a while, they, they end up coming out. There's only one meat there that I really like enough uh, to, to pay that kind of money for. And so I waited for that particular waiter to come out. And when he came to the table, I just told him to keep, keep going with the skewer. Just keep stacking it up on the plate. And when I had that first bite of expertly grilled steak for the first time in 90 days, uh, it felt like a brand new life, right? It felt like a brand new uh, chapter in life. And so we had this meal together. Um, and as much as the food was, was really great, it was actually what, what made that meal mean so much was a combination of the food we were eating, but the reason that, that I was able to eat it, right? And so it became, for, for me, an experience I, I'll never forget, this marking the end of this journey that had been so difficult and had so many different questions about was I ever going to feel normal again? Was I ever going to get back to a place where uh, together as a family we felt um, hope and we felt like like we understood what kind of, of future God had in store for us on the other side of, of this valley of the shadow of death that we felt like we'd been in for, for three months. And I know that so many of you in this room have been in those kinds of valleys for a lot longer uh, than three months. I, I know that you have, have struggled through all kinds of different difficulties and, and times in your life where you weren't sure exactly where God was present and what God was up to. And, and there can be times where in the midst of all that, some of the most important experiences we have are when we get a chance to sit down together 
and, and have a meal and share a meal. The, the Bible knows the importance. God, through the, the people that, that he inspired to write the words of Scripture, they know from their own lives just how powerful certain kinds of meals can be in our lives. That, that they can take what might be an already special time and make it even more significant. That they can turn what might feel like a, a kind of a mundane experience that you're not really looking for anything special to happen and all of a sudden because you get to sit down with someone and share in that meal it becomes a memory in your life that you go back to time after time you know maybe it's it's the memory of the last meal that you were able to have with someone that that you loved and that you cared for and and they're no longer here with us but every time you have that food every time you have that kind of meal you're taken back to that place uh, the, the Bible knows the importance, the power of, of meals. That's why every week we come together. And Jesus says, of, of all the ways you're going to remember me, you're going to proclaim my life and my death until I come through, through this meal that you share. Right? If we just look at the numbers in Scripture, the, the stats of, of how much food is mentioned in the Bible, it, it's a lot. Right? I mean, it's, it's over 1,600 times. Now, some of this stuff depends on the translation that you've got in terms of how often you're going to come across it. But, but Nate, bring up the, this list, right? You've got grain mentioned 507 times, bread 466 times, different kinds of drinks 452 times, flour 78 times, honey, uh, which is, you know, mentioned over and over again as, as a description of the promised land, the land that's flowing with milk and honey. Um, cake, one, one of my favorite things to know is mentioned in Scripture. Uh, in fact, there's a reference in Hosea that biblical scholars actually have articles where they argue, is it just cake or is he talking about a pancake? Uh, and, and I'd like to know if, if a pancake's mentioned in the Bible because that, it just makes me feel better about life if it is. So you, you've got all these references, right? And that's just a few different categories. Um, and when you talk about feasts or eating, um, you, you've got 60 different times that feasts are talked about. One of the things that's interesting in the Old Testament especially is that God's people are commanded to feast in, in lives that were so often filled with uh, so much to do and so much labor and, and so many limitations to their resources. God knew that unless they were commanded to feast, they might get caught up in all of those other things in life and not stop to do that. He tells them over and over, you need to have moments in life where you, you just taste the goodness in life, where you celebrate, where, where you enjoy being alive. And you're able to do that together when you gather around a table, when you create some, some space in your schedule, in, in all of the things that you're trying to do, and you realize that, that it, with as many struggles or, or obstacles that you may have to, to face, all the things you may have to, to try to deal with in your life, there's good there. And God knows that if we don't stop to see it, if we don't stop to recognize it, we will not experience it the way he wants us to. And when he's just talking about the simple act of eating, over 600 times, um, God talks about that aspect of what it means to be a human being, someone who needs, in, in all of the different experiences we have, someone who needs to realize that we, we have limitations, and one of them is we need food to stay alive. We need nourishment. There's a reason that Jesus says he's the bread of life. There's, there's a reason that so often God's word uh, describes itself as God's bread, God's nourishment. 
There's a reason that when God's people are in the, the desert, the wilderness, and they're afraid they're not going to have anything to eat, that the basis of that diet becomes manna. It's the sweet bread from heaven. God understands our limitations. He creates us with them. And we can turn those moments of having to be reminded that we have needs, that, that we also have social, relational needs that meals can help us experience and, and have nourishment from in the same time that our bodies are receiving that nourishment. Uh, in Psalms, uh, in, in Psalm particular 34, uh, we have this, this oracle, this, this song, that's talking about not only the way life does work, but the way it should work. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The one who takes refuge in him is truly happy. You who are the Lord's holy ones, honor him, because those who honor him don't lack a thing, right? This idea of God knows you have needs. God knows you have physical needs. Even strong young lions go without and get hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, children, listen to me. Let me teach you how to honor the Lord. And then there's this question, right? Do you love life? Do you relish the chance to enjoy good things? Right? And, and the expectation is, yeah, we all do. Then you must keep your tongue from evil and keep your lips from speaking lies. Turn away from evil, do good, seek peace, and go after it. So, so this question is, you know, are you like everyone else where you have a desire not just to be alive but to get to love life, to have moments where you relish experiences, right, that, that you want to keep experiencing over and over again, that, that experiences that you don't want to see come to an end. He says, is that something you know? Yeah, we know. He says, well, then, then find a way to have more of those experiences by being the kind of person God wants you to be, by, by being the kind of, of follower of Christ that God is inviting us to be as everyday disciples. If we want to have those kinds of experiences, this is the kinds of people we're going to need to try to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to go back to that question. Because one of the things that I, I want us to think through as we consider what it means to be everyday disciples in our work life is, could we help people have these kinds of moments? where they look back and they realize that, that we, we were the ones doing something, providing some kind of service that helped them realize that they weren't just alive, but they loved life. And that that kind of enjoyment, that kind of celebration of life, it always truly comes from the creator of life. It always comes from God. Uh, we have listen to a carpenter talk, and, and we've listened to a pilot talk about the ways they see faith intersect with their work. And this morning, we're going to be listening to Martha Tovar as she talks as a, as a professional baker, what does it mean to help people realize that as difficult as life can sometimes be, there's a sweetness to our lives that we want to capture. And that sometimes one of the ways we do that, that is by giving them this experience of a special meal, of a special something that they can eat, that they realize helps them understand that they're tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. So we're going to watch this uh, video introduction briefly, and then Martha and I will have a, a 
a conversation here on stage in just a moment. Let's watch the video together now. We may need to go back so we can hear it from the beginning. My name is Martha Tovar, and I am the owner and baker of Simply Sweet Bakehouse. We do cookies, cakes, cupcakes, cake pops, and just about anything that's sweet. My favorite thing to bake are wedding cakes. In weddings, you know, people come together, they prepare in advance, there's a lot of thought, a lot of emotion, and so the day comes, people that haven't seen each other in a long time kind of get to catch up and get together for the only purpose, which is to celebrate love and the commitment. And so after all the party and, you know, the dancing and the laughing and the catching up, everybody comes back one last time, and that's to cut the cake. It's like we reel everybody back in and remind them why they got together, why they came. And so it creates this still frame of that moment, and that's why I love doing wedding cakes. I've always enjoyed cooking. Um, I grew up a missionary's kid, and so we grew up feeding a lot of people all the time and just creating big meals for people. I later, when I came to the States and actually had an oven, I discovered uh, baking. This business did not start off for the money. It was more of a, I need something to do because my baby's going to school and what am I gonna do with my time? I've been a stay-at-home mom for 15 years what? <laughs> and so I, you know, people started placing orders and I, I started taking orders and people started paying me for it. And then I started using that money to buy more stuff so that I could make better stuff. And it kind of just started like that. And then it got to the point where I, you know, I was actually making an income. And so my accountant, my dear husband, he's like, okay, we are at a point, Martha, where this, this has to be a legit business. We have to register this. And so we made it official. I love the way sweets in general, like the reaction people have, they, it's almost like when they take a bite of that cake, like their face, it's just like this, mmm, this is good. And for me, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, like when God started creating everything and before he created human beings, he created nature. And I'm, you know, I'm really not creating anything. I'm just mixing it, you know, decorating it, you know, arranging it a little bit different and feeding it back to people. And that's my passion. That's, I want to, I want people to taste God, the goodness of God. And that's why I love doing this. <laughs> so we were visiting, and, and a little over a year ago now, Stephen, uh, your Bible class teacher, was, was teaching a series on connecting your faith and work, and you, you were in the midst of developing this, this new company, this new business of, of baking sweets for people, 
And your initial reaction to him was, I don't really see the intersection between what I'm doing and, and how faith is in, infusing that with, with purpose. But you've been on a journey since then of thinking about it. Can you share a little bit about that uh, with us now? Just absolutely. that journey of discovery? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was just transitioning out from being a stay-at-home mom. I've been doing that for 15 years. And it was so exciting. He was announcing this class about how to tie this. I was like, okay, I'm transitioning into baking. This is going to be exciting. And I show up the first day, and he has, like, work or job or some big word. And it's all lined up with, like, either a hammer or a calculator or a pencil. And there's, like, no whisk, nothing, like, baking at all. And, um, and so I'm sitting there, and he's talking about how, you know, we have gardeners and God himself, you know, as a hard worker and on-hand stuff. And I'm just sitting there not making a connection. I'm like, I just do cakes for people. Like, I don't do anything special. Then, the following week, he goes on to talk about how amazing stay-at-home moms are and, you know, the great work that they do. And I'm thinking, I don't do that anymore. Like, yeah. where's me? Where do I fit in this? And, um, and so I actually went up to him, and I was like, Stephen, there's, like, no whisk, no cupcake, not even a cherry, like, anywhere on your class stuff. And he's like, just pray about it, Martha. He's like, you do amazing things. And so... Yes, I did embark on a journey, and um, I prayed, and I prayed, and it was interesting how, you know, you go about life, and there's these changes, and just how we were singing, God calls you, you know, out of some boats and into some new ones, and I found myself mourning the one he was calling me out to, and not yeah. really seeing forward to the one he was calling me into, yeah. so when I changed that, one morning, I was, Sunday morning, I was sitting here, and we were, they were sharing communion thoughts, and it just hit me. It just came to me. God just answered my question. Out of all the ways that Jesus asked us to commemorate, to remember him, to celebrate his life, it was with a meal, and that's when it clicked for me. Yeah. And, and you also have, because of that, per, that perspective shift takes place, it starts to infuse what you're doing and how you're doing it for the people that you have in mind. Uh, and we talked a little bit about your opportunity sometimes to make those smash cakes for, for little ones. Um, and that's a different kind of experience for you because you get to hold the, that, that future moment in your heart as you're making it. So could you talk a little bit about what what that's like for you as you think about who you're baking for? Yeah, absolutely. So first birthdays are important. I mean, for parents, it's like, hey, you survived the first year. This is huge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's like all those nights of restless sleeps and, hey, you're still alive. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they, they plan this party and stuff. And one big main thing that I love about the party is there's this part of the party where they give their babies a little cake and its purpose is just to be demolished. Like, just buy the baby to do whatever the baby wants with that cake. And so when they order those, we actually, those are free, if you didn't know that. <laughs> but um, so as I'm preparing these cakes, I can just see the babies. You know, it's like their first year, we try to be good parents and limit their sugar. You know, like, don't play with your food. We're trying to teach them manners and stuff. And then... 
here I am preparing this awesome cake, making it as visually as, you know, just good, you know. And, um, and so kids get this cake in front of them, and they set it, it's typically on their high chair, and they send me videos and pictures, and, like, the kid's like, what's this? Like, can I touch it? <laughs> and the parents are like, come on, come on, you know, like, touch it, taste it. And, and it's like they don't know what to do with it, and they, they're gentle with it. And then, like, once they sink those hands into it, it's like, ooh. And then they taste it, and it's, I mean, it's, it's downhill from there. Right, <laughs> it's right. Like, this is good. <laughs> go to town. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and so th- this idea that you make something for the purpose of it being demolished, um, I, I think about God and how God creates so many moments for us um, that we either don't see or we don't know what to do with it, right? And someone has to teach us that, no, this this is for you, and this is for you to enjoy it. This is for you to do whatever you're going to do with this moment, yeah. that God wants to entrust it to us. And, and I, I, I find that so often when I work hard on something, I want somebody else uh, to do something very specific with it. And if they receive it in a different way than I intended, I may feel like, well, that was a waste. But with, with these cakes, the whole point is you don't know exactly how it's going to go. Yeah. But what you want is for that child to experience the joy of that moment. Um, and I find that so much to, to reverberate with the heart of God. Um, there's, on a more serious note, though, some ways that, that desserts aren't just fun, but they can actually be meaningful for somebody who's going through a difficult time. And you were sharing with me a story about a, a specific woman who, who you found out your, your cake meant more to her than you would have maybe even guessed. Yes. So um, in my business, we finally nailed down the perfect chocolate cake recipe with chocolate buttercream and so to kind of share it and get it out there we had this huge we like lower knocked down the price 50 percent off and it's like come on people just eat chocolate cake and so we baked a ton of chocolate cakes and we sold them all and later um i have i I have a a friend that calls and she's like martha you know my mom just went in for her regular checkup um, you know, she seemed fine. Uh, she right now got admitted to the hospital. She was very, very ill and didn't even realize it that she was. And so she was kind of rushed into surgery. And she's like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, the doctors are not giving us a lot of guarantees. They, they're not, you know, they don't, they're not giving us high, um, you know, like a lot to hope for or anything. And she's like, and the only thing that my mom said as she was going into surgery was like, Bridget, I need you to call Martha and tell her to be ready because when I come out of this surgery and when I am allowed to eat, the first thing I want in my mouth is that chocolate cake with chocolate buttercream. And so um, she, she's like, I just want to give you a heads up. Like, it might, you know, it might not happen. It might happen. But, and it did she did, and so we made her her chocolate cake, and <laughs> Bridget's like, she blew the doctors away with her recovery, and she's like, and it was all because she was like, I want that chocolate cake. I want, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? <laughs> I need the chocolate cake. Yeah, and again, just, I think for so many of us, when we get into difficult moments, what we want to believe is that the goodness that we've experienced before in life is going to be something we get to experience again. 
And again, as simple as, as cake can be, it can represent for somebody the goodness and the sweetness of life. Yeah. Uh, for people in the audience who might be thinking that, that maybe this is an area of, of work that they may be having this sense that God's calling them towards, um, serving other people, helping people experience that sweetness of life, what's some, some advice you'd give them? Do it. Like, go for it. I know it seems meaningless, and it seems like it's more of a treat than an actual necessity, but when people celebrate just life and love in general, we develop a sense of gratitude. And when we, when we have that sense of gratitude, we're able to see our blessings more clearly. Yeah. So go for it. Absolutely. That's great. Can you, you thank Martha for sharing with us? Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We've been closing these conversations with a, a brief time of prayer for, for anybody who uh, already feels called to work in these areas or may already have an opportunity. And so what, what I'd like you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand in a moment. If you feel like uh, you, you're connected in any way to these categories of work, and I, I don't want you to just think of it in terms of whether or not you're paid for it. I'm not saying it's, it's a livelihood. It's anything that you do that helps people experience the goodness, the sweetness of life, okay? So, so in general, what we're talking about, I think, is the service industry, right? And anybody who does something where, where you allow somebody else uh, to have an experience where, where they're served, where their needs are met, where they're able to then focus on the, the goodness. So whether that's you're, you're a waiter or you're somebody who, who bakes, someone who's like a chef, someone who perhaps um, helps people uh, with, with the way they look or, the, or the, how, how good they feel, um, some, a hairdresser, anybody in any general area where it comes, comes down to you help somebody else feel better about life, even if it's just for a, a fleeting moment. When we have those moments, those experiences, like Martha said, we learn the, the practice of gratitude. Um, if you're somebody who's a homemaker, um, so much of what you do is to help the people in your home experience the goodness and the sweetness of life. So if, if you connect in any way to any of that, would you please stand uh, real quickly, and I'm going to say a, a prayer over you, asking God to continue to work in your life. Nobody's standing up. Stand up. Okay. Service industry, homemaker, uh, anything that helps other people feel better about life, even if it's just for a few moments. Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for these people. We thank you for who they are to us, uh, for the ways that they help us experience that, that declaration that you first made over all of creation, which is this is, this is good. God, we need those moments in our lives, and, and we, we profess that those moments help us understand um, that you are with us and that you are working in our lives. And so I thank you for each person who helps us have, have those experiences where life's just a little better, where it's a little sweeter, and we realize that we have so much to be thankful for. I pray that you would continue to work through these people, give them opportunities to know how much we, we appreciate and care about them and for them. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I want you to, as, as, as you go out this week, I want you to, to think about this, this idea, right, that, that whenever we work, to help other people taste the good in their lives, we are really helping them sense God in their lives. 
They may not know that, they may not understand that, but we believe, as, as James says, that every good and perfect gift comes from one place. It comes from God. And so that when we have moments that we enjoy, when we have moments when we celebrate, when we have moments of, of transition, birthdays and graduations, weddings, that those are all moments that God is present in and God is trying to shape us through. Uh, and so I just want you to live with that sense that when we're able to help other people taste the good and not focus on all the things that aren't working right and all the things that may not be going the way they want it to, that there really is a foundational goodness in our lives that comes from God, that, that that's a part of what God is busy doing, that that's what God is at work doing. And when we get to, to line up our work with God's work, it's not just that the world has changed, but we're changed as well from who we are and to who God wants us to be. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, our shepherds and their wives will be out in our lobby. They're there to receive you, to pray with you. If you have any questions about uh, becoming a part of our church, if you have anything at all, any burden or concern that you have, uh, if you need to remember that goodness in life, please go to these couples in our lobby as together we stand and sing.